0: Alright, alright, here we go. This is the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is episode 46. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at J underscore Pregame. Joined here by NBA betting expert, got Mackenzie Rivers in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mackenzie Rivers. And you guys can always get us at Pregame.com. Alright guys, here we go. NBA game number four of the finals. Boston right now with a 2-1 lead in this series Going to go ahead and have another game here at Boston McKenzie. uh, After game three, 116-100 win there for Boston. Is there anything
1: you took out of that game? Yes, let's not bury the lead. Uh, Double best bet winner, and you just mentioned our Twitter handles. RJ hates that. He always says, don't give them someone your Twitter handle before you've proven that you have anything worthy of saying. Well, my friend Sleepy J, 4-1 now on our double best bets in these playoffs. And... When you bet a points, rebounds, and assists prop under, and his points, rebounds, and assists all go under individually by about half of what their total should be, I feel like you should get like an extra bonus. But if anything, we got an easy winner. We got a no-doubter in the first half. We were feeling fine about that double best bet. Green under. And part of his struggles, terrible game, two points, Isaiah Thomas killing him after the game, talking about his focus. He set himself green a couple weeks ago. Basketball is not his number one priority. Well, it sure looks like it in these finals. In these playoffs, career low points per game outside of his rookie year, career low rebounds per game in the playoffs, and his turnover percentage. So he's producing less than he has ever as a significant player of a playoff team, and his turnover percentage is actually at his highest. So he's just not that guy. He's not playing at an all-star level. Uh, Haralabad Valgaris said, after game one, who would you rather have? Who's more valuable to a team? And this is a guy that worked in a building in a, in the, or the Dallas Mavericks was one of those decision makers. And he's like, it's no question at this moment, spacing, defense, everything. I would take the Celtics center, Al Horford over the Warriors center. And I feel like that story has kind of been missed by most people, by the general public. I mean, after game two, Everyone was giving him so many flowers, Draymond Green, for his intensity. And Jalen Rose was like, he barked at every single Celtic. I feel like that's distracting from the fact, and this podcast is distracting from the fact that not just last game, these whole playoffs, he's been really bad. And that's why the Warriors probably don't have a chance, or they have a chance. They have about a 30% chance, according to Vegas. But they probably aren't going to win this series, and it's not going to be because Steph Curry didn't play well. He's averaging 30 points per game in the finals. It might not be because Clay Thompson didn't play well. He actually turned it on last game, hit 5-3, scored 25 points. It really is at the feet of Draymond Green, just not playing up to snuff. And I think that's been the story. And I'll, I'll say this as well. After game one, everything was about the Celtics or the Warriors' defense and how the Celtics hit all these threes and all the adjustments they had to make. For me, it's always been the offense. The offense doesn't have a lot of options. Green, obviously, is not one of them. And there's been three games a series. Warriors have gone under their team total in each and every game, and increasingly so. Uh, I think that's the big hurdle. And we've this, we've seen the series in these playoffs. be uh, a playoff of adjustments. These teams are now 12 and 0 collectively off a loss. We'll see what the Warriors do, but that's the big change that I think the Warriors have to be thinking about. What do they do against the Celtics defense? Where do they go to get more offense? Because it's not working. I think he nailed it there. Like we hit Draymond, we, you know, we hit the trifecta with him
0: uh, points, rebounds, and this is our best bet under that's great. You know, and we expected that to happen. I will say this. I would not do that in this game because I'm a firm believer that Draymond will bounce back. I think he's that, that type of guy. You know, one of the things that you and I do is we put player values on you know, every player in the league. And, and we you know oftentimes get laughed at sometimes and people disagree with us and, and they, they like to argue with us. And you and I, you know, over the last couple of years, I've said, look, Draymond Green is really important. He he will move the line. He moves the needle for this team. And he did last game. He moved it in the negative direction. Uh, a lot of turnovers did not look good, didn't play with that same intensity. So I would not fade Draymond in the next game, uh, points, rebounds, and assists under. I just wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, we, we went ahead. We cashed our big ticket there, McKenzie. But. I would not recommend going and, and making that same bet again, thinking that uh, it's going to be that easy because Draymond uh, is a talent and he's a player that's going to go out there and play with fire. And he was asked a question, you know, Draymond, how do you think that you played? And he, he basically said, I played like crap. And I think he had his little kid next to him to use an expletive, but basically Draymond said he played like crap. And when you have a professional player that has championship titles under his belt that knows he's under the spotlight, he's going to give his best effort. So I would not fade Draymond here. I think he bounces back in a major way. But the fact that Clay got it going, it doesn't seem like Curry's gonna cool off at all. Um, Mackenzie. And it seems like to me, if Draymond comes in here with, you know, that 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 Draymond green intensity, that the big three might actually get it going for this game. So I'm not sure that they are not the better team in this series, but you know, we, we have a lot
1: that uh that still needs to be explained over the next uh you know the next twenty four hours. And the Celtics Coming in, a big question mark was down the stretch of these games, fourth quarter. Well, in their two wins, it really hasn't been clutch time, but it's been the fourth quarter, two massive fourth quarters in games one and game three to get it done. And on green, I'll just say, uh, I bet him under game one. I thought the line was way off. And then I paused game two, exactly what you're talking about. He is a guy that I think will respond. Stephen A. Smith spent 45 minutes on nat- or forty-five seconds on national television saying, hey, this isn't a criticism. This is a motivational speech, Draymond Green. I would probably p- play him under again in the series, but it wouldn't be for game four. I watched the Stephen A.
0: segment today, and maybe that's one of the talks that he needed to hear. Because, you know, although I'm not a big Stephen A. fan, I felt like he delivered the message clearly. And I think he was spot on with Draymond. And I also think that if Draymond takes ownership, which it sounds like he did, um, that he will respond. So, uh, good conversation on that, Mackenzie. I'm glad we hit our best bet. One of the things that we haven't done there, Mackenzie, is kind of uh, to keep track of our best bets. But I know one thing: when you and I agree, we tend to do really well. Do you have any idea what the hell best
1: bets we've given out? You know, over the, since we started these podcasts, I went back through, and we haven't done that many. Starting in the playoffs, double best bets, even though our first pod was three double best bets. So we went two and one. We had the Wiggins under. Bucks in the second game, or in the first game, minus 10. That lost, and we had the Warriors in the series starting a a quite profitable uh, backing of the Warriors for both of us throughout these playoffs. Then the next round, we had Valanchunas over. That was a double best bet winner. And then we kind of took a hiatus. We had our own best bets. We were doing pretty good. And uh, had to wait till the finals to get a winner. So four and one on double best bets in these playoffs it's 80%. I'll take it. We also had one where we both really liked Luca under and you graciously let me bet that. And you're like, you know what? I'll take Brunson over because it was pretty much the same handicap back in the uh, sun series. And that hit in game three of the second round pretty comfortably. So very, very nice, very, very nicely done sleep. When we agree, I do tend to feel like we're finding the truths and uh, we come at it from very different angles. Uh, you often the motivational side, me often a statistical foundation, but money spends the same and we both cashed last the last game. Here's what I want
0: to do before we keep pounding our chests on our best bet stuff. Let's go back to the last game though, and talk about two wagers that I gave out that did not end up uh, you know, getting to the finish line for us. But I would recommend we play them again. And I'm going to try to get your approval here, McKenzie, with playing Looney over six and a half points again. Here's my case. The Golden State Warriors cannot go out and play the way they played in game three, in game four, trying to attack the glass and and just not allow Boston to score points in the paint. I believe they had 52 in, in Golden State at 26. Like, you, you got slaughtered on the boards. They were minus 16 on the glass. So if you're going to take Looney off the court, and let's just say Draymond is not playing super aggressive and, and going down there and doing his thing, then Golden State doesn't stand a chance. They have to bring Looney in this game for more than 17 minutes. You and I had talked about you know, how important Looney was in the Western Conference Finals and how important he was you know, in game one, at least just being a factor you know, on the glass and things like that. They only played him 17 minutes last game. That's not going to cut it. So I like Looney over points again. Although he lost, I am not afraid to go right back to that bet. I felt like I had a really good handicap, but I feel like I have an even better handicap here. And a lot of that goes to another wager that I recommended that didn't do so well, and that was Williams under alternate like four and a half points. Williams is going to end up going here again, and this is a really quick turnaround. We've talked, McKenzie, about you know, Williams being out on the court for too many minutes with a short rest, that there's a potential that he could struggle. So I wonder if Williams is out there a lot. I think Golden State certainly counters here with more Looney. So, I have no problem playing Williams under again. maybe his points rebounds and assists under fourteen and a half, but I also like the Looney over six and a half, so maybe I was a game a game late, but with this quick turnaround and the way that the results ended up with game three, I think I kind of have to go back to those again, and to be honest with you I'm not
1: even afraid to do it in the two games they lost in the series, game one and game three, they were in the seventh percentile in defensive rebounding and then an eighth percentile in the one game they won 98th percentile in game two they were 98th percentile on the glass an amazing uh turnaround two of their five worst rebounding games and one of their best rebounding games all in the series i think looney is the difference mainly because i don't think green is that man in the middle right now his rebounds per game like i mentioned his at a career low and been dropping off more recently so i like looney in this matchup and williams we mentioned it when he had more rest, he played better. Shortest rest he's going to have of these finals. And it's the one game we mentioned these two teams, 12-0 combined, AT, uh, straight up, 11-1 ATS, awful loss in the playoffs. Celtics are not in that situation. This is the one game, if I'm Emea Duca, uh, that I really think I can – I obviously can't pass it. If the Warriors win, they're suddenly favored again in the series. It's a three-game series, and they got two at home. But I don't have to throw everything – at the kitchen sink for this particular ball game. I think Robert Williams plays about 15 minutes, 18 minutes, whereas in the last game he played 25. So I think his uh, props going under make sense to me. And like we mentioned on the last podcast, with uh, Williams out, Looney's been a lot more effective and they have a great plus minus. So it makes sense to me. I got no problem with it. You know what I was going to do, Mackenzie, was I was going to text you in the last
0: game right in the first quarter. I think Williams actually got sat down right around, like, the 850-minute mark, and I was like, free money. And I think he had, like, a shot or two, like, right in that that quick little window that he was out there in the first quarter, and he bricked them both. So I'm like, oh, man, this this is free money. Like, this is going to come in. Like, I'm going to hit the alt bet, you know, the plus 180 or whatever it was. And I was like, I was going to text you, and then we saw what happened. Williams went out there and had a, <laughs> a fantastic game. But I was I was pounding my chest and and, and counting my money. Uh, before it even you know before it even cached, but no, we do that from time to time. Let's talk about when we talk about something. I think that's that's kind of gotten out of the bag here. I think the cat's out of the bag with the Warriors uh, being so dominant in the third quarter, and that was a really good trend. You know, something that you talked about. Uh, they went out in the last game, McKenzie. They put up 33 points in the third quarter, and I heard on the broadcast they're like, "Oh, Golden State, very good in the third quarter." I'm not sure if I would go back to them here. I would probably caution against it. Now, look, sometimes you, you know, you want to buck trends, and you know it's, it comes back to bite you. But I don't know if I, if I like Golden State here in the third quarter. I would look maybe at the under. Not sure if you want to go ahead and continue to go ahead and follow that trend there, McKenzie, with Golden State in the third quarter. But I feel like the under might be the way to go. I'll save my reasoning for that. But you know, how do you feel about Golden State right now in the third quarter and maybe the cap being out of the bag?
1: Yeah, so I'll just go over some of the numbers that we talked about on straight out of Vegas real quickly, just because it is startling how uh how this quarter has been the quarter for the Warriors in their dynasty. So since 1415 in the Kerr era, they've outscored teams in the third quarter by more than they've done in the entire first half combined. Plus 3.3, almost half of their straight-up margin is just the third quarter. And in these playoffs, they've been outscored in the first half and they've outscored teams in the third quarter by almost three points a game. We saw it again in the last game. However, these trends, Alabama first half isn't going to hit forever. Yes, the Vegas market is going to adjust for it. There might be, you know, five, ten cents of, uh, of skewing to try to get people to not bet the Warriors third quarter if they get over liability in that situation. However, I think the biggest change is what you said. When the trend is out there, these teams know about it. These teams know... Hey, if there's one time I'm about to get beat, it's going to be in this third quarter. We saw it in Game Two uh, when it wasn't even close. It was a 21 point margin at the end of the third quarter. So I think the Celtics taking the air out of the ball makes a lot of sense in the second half, especially if they have a lead like they did in the last in the last couple of games uh, or in Games One and Game Three, the games they won. And then the Warriors on the Warriors side, I think we've seen Steph Curry slow down tremendously. AJ had this on straight out of Vegas. Very strong trend. First two series of the playoffs when Steph was at his freshest. In the fourth quarter alone, he's averaging 9.5 points per game. Since then, in the Mavericks series, and especially in the Celtics series, he's slowed down a lot. Only three points per game in the fourth quarter. Only shooting 41%. In the last six games, he's shooting 50% from the field in the first three quarters combined, and 30% in the fourth quarter. So how do you get him to be less tired in the fourth quarter? Well, probably playing him... Less, so that's going to be good for any total when you bring Steph Curry out of a game. Offense is going to go down. And just playing slower, playing at a lower pace, trying to make the most out of possessions, whether it's going to Wiggins, whether it's going to Looney and move, moving it in and out of the post. I do feel like this is the lower scoring second half, uh, which isn't up yet. I'm surprised to see it isn't up, but I don't mind the third quarter under at all because I think this game slows down to a halt later in the game.
0: So the third quarter under right now, we'd have to go under 52 and a half. Right now we don't have... A second half total, what would you make that? Where do you think that
1: would come out? Well, this one's easy because we have a first half total, which is one oh eight and a half, and we have a game total, which is two fourteen. Find the difference there, one oh five and a half should be the second half total, which which is a bet I would like you know fifty two and a half times times four or times two it's It's pretty much the same number that we're going to see in the third and the fourth quarter. I think Boston
0: probably got the memo on Golden State with their third quarter. I have a feeling they come out and they play some sticky defense on Golden State to go ahead and just say, like, look, if we're we're losing these games, a lot of our struggles and and issues that we're having are in the third quarter. we got to do something. we got to buckle down on these guys. And like you said, take the air out of the ball, slow the game down a little bit. I don't think Boston, you know, has a need to go ahead and have to run and gun with Golden State. So I could see the air coming out of the ball for Boston, and I could see them playing a little bit sticky defense here, you know, with Golden State. And as you had mentioned, though, it's Golden State want to run Curry out there, you know, for all those minutes because late in the fourth quarter – Uh, He looks like he's just a little bit gassed out, a little bit tired. So I'm good with the third quarter under, but I I would say I probably like, you know, the second half under more. And I think that there's a chance that we end up with, you know, maybe another blowout, maybe another lopsided game. I mean, these these games haven't exactly been close. What do we have margins with uh, 12 points, like 20 and then 16? So these games really haven't been close. I mean, it hasn't exactly been the most entertaining. Well, It's been entertaining, but the margins have have made it look, you know, not not exactly as entertaining
1: as most. So, uh, do you make anything of that, McKenzie? The fact that
0: these, the spread hasn't mattered.
1: Yes, this is a continuation of a theme that we've I've talked about on this podcast, and we've seen there's a reason why favorites keep hitting the last few years. You know, way well above fifty percent. There's a reason why this was the first year in NBA history, by my calculations, uh, at least since two thousand three where more than 50% of games were decided by 10 plus it's about the three ball. And it's not only about the three ball. It's about the ramifications of the modern NBA where one stop and you get an easy bucket on the other end can lead to your defense being that much more prepared the next time down. And then they get that much easier of a shot because you get another stop and you see these runs and it's not a coincidence off good offense. Steve Kerr talks about this all the time. Good offense lets you set up your defense, Good defense lets you set up your offense. I think it's uh, more. It's louder now. The NBA is a game of runs. It's always been true. That's just more true now. It's a. It's a. It's uh, a more more apparent fact. And I looked at finals games after Game Three, so Game Four and on, and the second half is significantly lower scoring than the first half. So all time, it's about uh, one and a half points low lower scoring. In the last ten years, it's about three points lower scoring, and in the last five years, it's about four less points in the second half compared to the first half. Why? I think it's the game gets a little more. Uh, the first half is more like the modern NBA, and the second half you can't really run and gun quite the same. It's more traditional. It looks more like those half-court sets, those slower sets that we're so used to seeing uh, from the '90s Bulls and the '2000s Lakers and Playoff basketball just doesn't allow uh, the same kind of fervor, the same kind of pace, the same kind of, okay. I'm going to throw it up and see what happens as these games wear on. And one team hitting shots often leads to them playing better defense. And then we saw the Warriors 11 points in the fourth quarter it's because the Celtics were running good offense and the Warriors weren't. Uh, So that's just a, a product of the modern NBA. All right. So you had a lot of good
0: stuff there. Let's talk Curry. Right now, the MVP odds, he was the favorite, and they've they've shrunk up. Tatum's right there, and now Brown's right there. Brown has started out um, rather hot in every game that he's played here in the series. He's down to like 3-1, to one, which is, I don't want to say it's surprising, McKenzie, because of how well he's played, but I think he's a factor now in the MVP race, especially if Boston wins game four and he goes out there and he outperforms Tatum. I think Brown is somebody that, that you certainly have to look at. But let's let's keep talking about Curry here. You have a best bet on him. Now, I want to go ahead and I want to make a case that this potentially could be one of the highest point totals that Curry has in this entire series. We know we got, let's just say, hurt last game. Uh, They asked him the question, like, Steph, are you going to play? He says, yeah, I'm going to go play. I guess he hurt his ankle. Don't be surprised if it just turns out to be like a Jordan flu type of game to where Curry's like, I'm going to go out here and I'm just going to play my rear end off and, and I'm not going to miss a shot. That would not shock me if he flies over and has this this crazy game. I don't know if you guys saw the broadcast, but Jason Tatum hit a big shot and it was right before they went to break the commercial. And, and Curry just gave him this look like you have no idea, dude, what's going to happen to you. Like you could sit there and cheer and, and, and grab your head and, and you know, uh, play to the crowd and stuff like that. But I'm not it's not This isn't going to happen on my watch. So I think Curry has a chance to come back, have a big game, and especially if he's on like some kind of bummed ankle or something like that. You know, it could be a game that I don't want to say it's going to go down like a Jordan flu game, but it could be one of those games that go down in history. So I would probably look maybe more at Curry points over, believe it or not, because I think he has to take over. Like if they're winning this game, I believe he has 30-plus points in this game there, McKenzie. So I'll be looking at Curry over points. Not sure if I'll play it, but I might have to talk myself into it, which I feel like I am already. But you have a best bet that involves Steph Curry.
1: What are you looking at? Don't disagree with you on the points. I do think, you know, as Jordan said, uh, I told Phil to play me in spurts. I told Phil to play me in spurts. But, you know, I just couldn't come out of the game. With that foot injury uh, on his mind, with his legacy on the line, I feel like he might just have an out-of-body experience and not come out of the game and throw up a bunch of threes. But I don't like his points. That's not my best bet. Under assists is an excellent opportunity. Minus 150, you got to lay the lumber, but hear me out. Last four years, he's played the Celtics 11 times. He's gone over five and a half assists one time. In the Kerr era, 14-15, 17 games, only four times he's overgone, he's gone over five and a half assists. And the Celtics, remember, have been a Marcus Smart, switch-everything type of defense this entire run. They have very similar personnel they're allowing Curry one-on-one opportunities against Horford, against Williams to try to get his shot up rather than what most teams do, which is do everything they can uh, to get Curry to, to give up the ball and double him and w- wait till he gets the ball on, on off the ball stuff. Well, they're not doing that. They're doing very traditional. They're not having Draymond man in the ship at the top of the key while Curry runs around. They're saying, Curry, you're the man. Go score. You're going to get one-on-one opportunities. In this series, he had five assists, he had four assists, and he had two assists. Less and less opportunities for his teammates to score from his hand. This number's been adjusted slightly. It's been not the number, but the, uh, the big. It's gone from minus 115 to minus 150. Not enough when you think about he's going to be limited somewhat with the foot injury. And I think the team needs him to score more than anything to keep pace with this Celtics offense. I think other other people are going to be creating. I think Curry's going to be shooting. And a very interesting stat I pulled up. If you look at assists and potential assists, you can find the the uh, ratio and say, what's the percentage that his teammates are converting potential assists into assists? On the season, Kevin Durant was number one. Steph Curry was number two. I think that's an excellent sign of your gravity creating easy opportunities for your teammates in the playoffs, his numbers actually gone up. Sixty-two percent of the time, when he has a potential assists, it converts into an assist. In this series against the best defense in the NBA, against Robert Williams and Al Horford in the middle, where they're not giving up easy buckets on a regular basis, Andrew Wiggins is not finishing in the paint on a regular basis. Thirty-seven percent of his potential assists have been converted, and his potential assists have gone down every game. He's not he's not creating easy opportunities. He's putting it on himself to do it. That's why we see his points and his expected points continue to tick up highest they've been at any point in the playoffs. It's the matchup. It's the way they're playing them. I don't see that changing. So under five and a half assists is my best bet. Again, 11 times he's gone against this very particular Boston Celtics switch everything defense. Only one time he's had more than six assists. I think we make it 12 out of 13 on Friday.
0: All right, there's McKenzie's best bet. Going to go ahead and play Steph Curry under his assist, five and a half. Uh, I'm with you there, McKenzie. I like that one. You talked me right into that. Uh, A lot of that has to do with Draymond, believe it or not. I think Draymond has to take control of this offense like he did in game two. I mean, that was the one game that Golden State won, and Draymond went out there. He had seven assists in that game, and I think that that's the best Golden State offense. Like, that's the best version. Let Draymond run and gun. And let Curry and Thompson get to their spots. And the fact that Clay got it going last game, as I mentioned, I don't think Curry's going to slow down. I think Draymond takes control. Those two guys find their spots. And it's going to be less of all right, let Steph go ahead and try to create and try to dish to, to, to guys like Looney and, and try to find those assists. Uh, I just don't see that happening. And especially after you know the game one result and the game three result. I just I don't see Curry going out there looking to distribute the basketball. Um hopefully he does have that out of body experience. So with that said, Mackenzie, let me ask you this though about this series, because I feel like, you know, after every game, it's like it's a it's a different narrative. All right, Boston wins game one. Golden State comes back; they win game two. Now it feels like everybody has kind of jumped ship on Golden State after one game. It was it they were going on the road. It's the NBA Finals. Right. It's you know game one at Boston. Now it's the second game at Boston. But if Golden State wins this game. Doesn't the narrative completely change again? Like, oh, they have home court and they're playing back at home, and then they could be up three-two. Like, I, I hate the fact that like the narrative just switches so crazy. But if Golden State wins this game, do you feel like the narrative is going to be Golden State's going to take care of business now? Because it seems like everybody right now is going Boston's going to take care of business. Like, it just drives me crazy. I think if Golden State wins here, I think it's over. I think the series is over. I think they win the series because this is the most important game for them. If they steal home court advantage back, I think the series is over.
1: I do not think the series is over if the Warriors win and it's 2-2. And I don't think the series is over if the Celtics win. I mean, much more than ever, this is a league where if you make 40% of your threes, if you get hot, if you get a couple of role players rolling, you can win a game and turn a series around. So it is interest. It's not even interesting. It's it's uh, appalling, the rubbernecking we've seen uh, throughout you know, these playoffs and especially these finals where after game one, uh, people are crowning the Celtics the championship after game two. I think you got to you got to look at the numbers. You got to look at the results and say, hey, 16 point game could have easily. I mean, the Warriors were up one late in the third quarter. It's anybody series. This is a great. These are teams are, are dead even in my power readings, have the Celtics a half point better. Again, the Warriors have the experience, but I don't think I don't think either of these teams will go easily into the night. Uh. Celtics are more talented, and I think they showed that I think I think they win the series, but nothing would shock me at this point. Now I do want to ask you a question, Mackenzie, about something that I saw
0: on the broadcast, and I was gonna text you this, but I didn't feel like bothering you at the time. It seems like these coaches should probably get more reviews or at least chances to say, hey, could we review that? Because it seems like they're they're just saving them until, you know, some last possible minute. Like I feel like there are call and look, maybe it's gonna bog the game down. But I feel like if at least if you give a guy, you know, one or two per half, because there's so many plays that happen in an NBA game where it's just so many possessions where, you know, that one challenge, it just doesn't seem like enough. And maybe it's just me, but I don't know if if you felt the same way. But I feel like maybe an extra challenge here or two could keep the game from from kind of getting out of hand emotionally. Maybe the crowd getting crazy, you know, getting on top of the refs to where it's it's i think it's a lot easier to miss a call in the nba um than than a lot of other sports just because there's a lot of traffic going on so i don't know if you fe- how you feel about that but that's just kind of the way that i felt especially in these finals and even throughout the playoffs
1: i have a lot of thoughts about nba officiating obviously uh they're the best in the world at it i mean that i know of anyway i think they could be a lot better and i think uh the answer is not more reviews although you're right there are you know certain foul calls that it seems like Maybe they should just fire. They should just go ahead and fire because that's going to be, you know, Steph Curry getting his fourth foul beginning of the fourth might be the most important play of the game, even if it's the first quarter and it's the second foul, that might be way more important than any particular free throw situation that will come up later, Uh, even though it's only, you know, an off-ball foul. doesn't seem like the biggest call in the world. Those things add up. But let me just say this. The NBA rewards the referees for the decisions that they make. So you could say oh they're doing the best they can. If they incentivized it accuracy above all else, consistency above all else, I think we would see it. They don't. And there's a reason why the extender Scott Foster is the number one graded or one of the number one graded if you look at, you know, who's given the best opportunities is the NBA is saying these are our best refs. Scott Foster, who everybody, you know, throws a hissy fit on Twitter every time their team is against them, is the number one guy. So he is rewarded for this behavior, for these decisions, and the fact that if you're trailing in a series and Scott Foster is there, you're 20 straight-up winners, only six straight-up losers the last few years. I mean, that is that is a decent data set to say it's a coincidence. So I, it's not on the officials to me. It's not about individuals' decisions. I think it's the uh, prioritization of accuracy that has not occurred in the NBA, and that's that's my beef, and that's my two cents. All right, well, we'll see how that all plays out next year. I'm in favor of more
0: reviews. So, Mackenzie, you had a stat there on Steph Curry that you wanted to go ahead and throw out before I get to my best bet. What do
1: you got? Yes, so on DraftKings right now, there's an over-under prop for Steph Wardell Curry. Over-under 30.1 points per game average for the series. He's at 31.3 right now. So, that sparked my curiosity. I'm like, man, it's, it seems pretty rare for for a, a, any player to score 30 a game especially a shorter player like, like Steph Curry. So I, I looked in, StatMuse is a great way to, to pull some of these stats and added the the position and the heights to have a little you know mini database on my Excel sheet here. And I looked at it and players under 6'5", that average 30 points per game in the final, you got Allen Iverson, Steph Curry, Jerry West. Steph Curry did this in 2019. Those players combined are 0 and 8 in these series. So what is the takeaway? Well, I looked at, all of the stats, if you average 30 in the finals and your name is not Michael Jordan, you're 9-19 and 19 in those finals. In general, it's very hard to do it at this clip. It's very hard to do what Steph Curry is doing and turn around and win. So I think he might have that out-of-body experience and score 40 in this game, and it might easily come in a loss because when you're one-dimensional, we've seen you know in the 60s and the 80s and the 2000s and in the 2020s, Not very common to score at that rate and win. So uh, I think if you're a Steph Curry fan and you're a Warrior fan, you might be interested. You might be uh, leaning towards the under because generally if he's sitting in the fourth, if he's having to do less, it's probably a good sign for the Warriors' chances of actually doing what they actually care about, which is winning the title. All right. Well, shout out to the answer. No doubt.
0: And my favorite NBA player. I do want to ask you about Iverson because this is something that I think we had talked about a while back. If you had to put Allen Iverson on the all-time list,
1: where would you put AI? Allen Iverson might be he's much higher on my all-time like favorite as a fan list cuz growing up that was the guy, no doubt, had his jersey, had his shoes, everything. But defense matters. Very hard to build a team around a 6-foot shooting guard. So he wouldn't be top 20, he wouldn't be top 30. He'd be he'd be, you know, uh he wouldn't be above Isaiah Thomas. Two time champion you'd be you'd be like forty five or something like that all right I'll buy that even and I'm with you as a fan I mean there weren't
0: there weren't many better watches uh in the nBA Kenzie before I go ahead and jump into my best set let me get some business out of the way here uh right now on pregame.com uh, if you guys go over there we have two big game of the years up for nBA game number four we have one from King Creole we also have one from pregame sport and you guys can go over there you can get them. And while you're there, make sure you guys sign up for Pregame.com. If you haven't already, Pregame will go ahead and they'll put $25 in your shopping cart. And you guys can go ahead and purchase any pick from any Pregame Pro. Sign up is literally like 90 seconds. Once you sign up, that $25 will immediately go right in your cart. And you can purchase any pick that you want. Whether you want mine, you want McKenzie's, uh, Fezzik, Uncle Dave, whoever you want. You guys can go ahead and use that $25. But you have to sign up. And once you do that... You guys get all the benefits of being a member of pregame.com. With all that done and said and out of the way, let's go ahead and get into my best bet. I don't feel like I'm going against the grain here, but I feel like I'm going up against one of the hottest guys in this series. You know, I already mentioned Jalen Brown, 3-1 to right now on the MVP odds. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play him under his points, rebounds, and assists, 35 and a half. Here's why, McKenzie, he started out really hot in these first quarters, and I just don't think that that's going to continue. I think Boston has a lot of guys on that team right now that are touching the basketball that are all looking to go ahead and get shots up. But here's what I know about Brown. At times he will go ahead and he'll have that clunker game where he'll go out there and he'll hurt his team. And I think that this is that game because he started out so well. And I think the fact that Boston, you know, with the guys like Williams out there, but I think Looney is going to have to be used um, that, that he's had probably more rebounds than, than what he's accustomed to. So I think Looney probably takes him away, but I think Draymond probably takes him away here um, as well. And one thing about Brown, he's not going to look to assist the basketball, even if he's not having the greatest shooting night. So I don't know what you think, Mackenzie, but I feel like 35 and a half is a little bit inflated, and a lot of that's due to you know his recent play, which has been really, really good. And going into these finals, believe it or not, one of the guys I considered for an MVP was Brown because I'm like, well, he's the number two guy. I looked at Clay. I bet Clay. I said he's the number two guy. I didn't want to go chalk, and I figured maybe Brown could be that guy, and he has been that guy, and and kudos to him. But I feel like this is the game where he goes out and he has his clunker. I think his assists are down, rebounds are down, and his points are down. So I'm going to go ahead and make that my best bet, under 35 and a half. The only thing I could say, McKenzie, that I could say is positive for him and the reason why he could beat me is because he's been playing well, and you can't take that away from him. The dude's out there balling. But I just know this guy just all too well. He always throws a clunker, and I think this is going to be the game because Golden State has to lock down on defense, and they cannot allow this guy to go in and get hot and get out to some 15-point lead at home because Golden State's going to be in trouble. So I think they look to really play sticky defense on Brown uh, more than any player right now because he's just killing them in the first quarter. So that's my best bet under 35.5
1: points, rebounds, and assists. What do you think? Don't mind that at all. I actually like it. If you look at the first quarter, Brown has been amazing. 11.7 points per game in these finals in the first quarter. It's more than half of his point production. We talked about how the Celtics kind of know what the Warriors bring in the third quarter, and they're not going to let that trend continue. I kind of feel the same way here. Whether that's bringing Gary Payton the second in earlier or just switching up how they're guarding Brown, he's gotten red-hot, wide-open shots in the first quarter, and I just don't see that continuing. And if you just look at the second Quarter through the fourth quarter, way, way, way short of this 35 and a half number on a, uh, you know, if you average it out to a per game basis. So you look at the entire playoffs, he's only at about 34, 33.8, it looks like. I don't see why this is inflated against the number two defense in the league. So I feel like, you know what I actually think it is? I think it's the finals MVP market that has people really interested in Brown, really thinking uh, about what he would need to do to pass Tatum, who's a slight favorite over him right now. Um, and that's why I think it's a little bit of a hype train, a little bit of, man, did you see him? Do you see that fourth quarter of game one? There's more kind of, a uh, sparkle, more sizzle than steak here. I think, uh, you know, Brown's been fine. You know, you look at Tatum's numbers, he's averaging 22 and eight and everyone's saying he's not been that good. Uh, Brown is at 22 and four and he's the MVP. Uh, I feel like the hype train's a little bit out of control on Brown. So I don't think uh, – so I think the number's inflated. Therefore, I think you have a good bet. I think that they might actually try to attack Brown, you know, on the defensive
0: side where they're, they're trying to get him into some type of foul trouble. But I think that that's one thing that that I didn't mention that that probably should be mentioned with somebody like Brown is that he knows, like, he's there. Like, he he finally closed that gap for the MVP – Look, if he goes out there and scores forty points or even thirty-five and just has a really good night, I think he immediately becomes a favorite to win the MVP, and and I believe that he deserves it. But if he starts thinking ahead and starts thinking selfishly, and I believe that that's one of the reasons and why he can throw a clunker at you is because he'll try to just do too much because there's this you know there there's this light at the end of the tunnel where everything's. Uh, roses and, and fairies and stuff like that. I just, for me, I just think that that's
1: where his mind may go, and that might be, you know, what ultimately gets him in trouble. So- we saw that in game two. We saw that in game two where he's red hot. He scored thirteen points in the first eight minutes, and the rest of the game he was taking really bad shots one on one. He was one for eleven after the first quarter in game two. And Imadoka sat him. You know, there is a lot of ways to win it under. I always say he only played twenty eight minutes, not because the game was out of reach. Jason Tatum played his regular minutes because he was playing really bad and really selfishly. He has that mode. If he gets into that, he could play less minutes. That helps the under here.
0: All right, good stuff there, McKenzie. Solid podcast once again. Uh, as I mentioned, game four coming up here in Boston tonight. Uh, Celtics minus four-point favorites right now. We'll see how everything shakes out, and then McKenzie and I will come back, and uh, we'll try to either do a game five or a game six pod uh, for sure for you guys. But you guys know where to find us on Twitter, uh, at sleepyj underscore pregame, at Mac and Rivers. And you guys could always get us at pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.